0: everybody wants to work. na 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 me.
1: Everybody's not to work. Oh, no, not me.
0: Everybody has to work. na na not nah, me. Oh, not me. Everybody wants to work.
1: na na nah, me. Everybody lives
2: to work. Nah, 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 Hello, everyone. Welcome everybody. to Life of Brian... Dot, 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 that is the podcast. What a podcast this one is. Uh They all are. Uh I'm Kevin Hillier and he is Brian Manics. Aren't you?
0: Apparently so. Apparently that's who I am, and um, nothing I can do to change it. Really, <laughs> uh, you know, unless I did a Gary Hocking and changed my name by default to Whiskers for a week.
2: Well, you—I mean, have you always been happy with Brian as the name, or have you have you ogled other Christian names? Because see, no, I'm, I quite like Kevin. I've always liked Kevin, and now no one's called Kevin, so I actually feel a bit unique. But there's still a lot of Brian's about. Well,
0: Brian's not a really a popular name by today's standards, but um, no, I don't think it's a really suitable name for me. Brian sounds like he should be, you know, has a whole lot of pens in his pocket and, you know, short white sleeve shirt on and, you know, probably is an accountant or something. And lives on the Gold uh, Coast.
2: <laughs>
0: well, see, that's, you know, uh, my, dad used
2: to, my dad and my family call
0: me George. Yeah. And I, I've always felt... More comfortable with George because I think George sort of suggests that you bit know, silly.
2: And what about um, what about something yeah. like Orlando or uh, you know? Um, I'm trying to think what like like a show you know a show not a showbiz name as such, but a, a name that's got a little bit of you know mystical stuff about it, like Orlando or something. Um,
0: well, I don't know. I think. Um, I like my son's name, Max Mannix, I reckon that's
2: Yeah, yeah we, talk, we have talked about that. That's a power name, isn't it? It's a beauty. And you've got Elvis as your middle name. That's fantastic. Max Elvis Mannix, uh, yeah. Max Elvis Mannix, that's fantastic. In I fact, can, it. is it too late for you to change your name to that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, he's kind of he's kind of got first dibs on it now. So, I, you know, yeah, but I'd love to be Max Mannix. So yeah, it's a well, great
2: you could, name. You could be Max Mannix, Mannix Senior. Why not? Well,
0: actually, no, <laughs> correctly, I think Max Mannix Jr. because he was Max Mannix before me. Well, that's a, 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 a good point. Good point. That, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Like, that, uh, Max Mannix and I'm Max Mannix Jr. That, yeah, I uh, like
2: that. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's sort of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in Twins. That's <laughs> got, it's got some well, of that there about there it. there you go. <laughs> yeah. A uh, good show coming up. Mark Holden is our main guest and, uh, by Jesus, he got some stories to tell. Oh, he's the
0: brother of Frankie J Holden, and um, he's just some really good stories. <laughs> yeah. And
2: EJ e- Holden and Holden Commodore and all those other Holdens. <laughs> yeah. Actually, e- H. H. Holden and um, Kingswood. He's, yep. He's too. All those. Uh, so Mark's going to join us and talk about you know his his pop uh, uh, stardom days, and God, he was huge.
0: <laughs> oh, he was. Oh. You know, good mates with David Hasselhoff. So, yep. You know, that's all. Yeah, good to find out about.
2: All that stuff. Uh, And uh, then we're going to talk to a bloke called uh, Jesse James Dupree, who's uh, um, a bloke who's been around uh, the American music scene for a long time now um, uh, in various bands, but he's uh, just released a solo album and he's written a couple of songs on the album with Brian Johnson from ACDC.
0: Well, and,
2: no longer just a train robber, is he? No, no, and and uh, doing all sorts it, of stuff. it does sound like a, a a wild west cowboy train robber, doesn't it? Um, uh, and
0: well, I was just listening to Billy the Kid's new album. It's brilliant.
2: It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, he's got this song uh, called and the, Ned, uh, "The Ned Kelly Box." <laughs> 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 uh, he's got a song called Never Too Old and It Is A Beauty. It just sounds like, I'll, I'll be honest and say, it just sounds like ACDC. It sounds like a really good ACDC song. So we'll play that for you as well. But a reminder about our very good friends, ho, ho, ho. Christmas time has come at Murkot's. Oh, yes. Have they got any, have they got any gift certificates please? Have they got? God, I'm glad you asked, Brian.
0: Ah, oh, look, I've spent... Been- it's been eating at me all day. I just needed to know.
2: So jump the on answer? the website, murcotts.edu.au. $70 off a Level 1 defensive driving course. Hello. Uh, all right. 15% off the gift certificates. It's all there. It's like one great big huge jumble sale going on at uh, at Murcots. Uh So jump on the website or give them a call. On 1300 three hundred triple five five seven six. 576. That's right. 1300 three
0: hundred triple five five seven six. 576. And you can do all of your Christmas shopping in one phone call.
2: Exactly right. And live to tell the tale for many years to come because you'll be the safest driver around.
0: Absolutely. That's Mercot's guarantee that you'll be a better driver. Yes.
2: And uh, we're going to drive a Holden now as best we can, and that is Mark Holden. Ready? Here we go. All right. Straight to the driving. There
3: we are.
2: How are you, Mark? About for an old dude? How about yourself? Oh, I'm pretty good for a, a slightly younger dude. <laughs> and,
3: and I'm pretty good for an even younger dude. Oh, guess <laughs> what? You're looking well. You look great. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Yeah, and no, I'm in my 70th year. Wow. Yeah. 17 in been... April. Yeah, it's a bummer. Are you Are you going to you gonna do a big celebration or what are you going to do? I am, yeah. No, I'm going to definitely, uh, no, I'm going to do a big celebration. I'm going to do a, a completely self-indulgent, um, musical experience. I'm a member of the Savage Club, which is a very, uh, uh, it's a very, uh, what's it? Uh, it's, it's an artist's club, but it, uh, it's either some people find it offensive to be a member of a male men's club. But for me, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's an old joint in the middle of the city and, uh, it's uh, a it's a very art friendly place, and there's a bunch of old men who get together and make music, and um, they've got a great room downstairs. If you've ever been there, it's just an awesome room downstairs. And we once a month, we a uh, bunch of old men get together and uh, uh, make music. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna, in in the process of being a member, I've learnt all these songs that I've never would have ever even known about. And uh, uh, because of a certain event or whatever, like we had a thing called the Kipper Breakfast recently, and and it was a and it was a speech from the guy who wrote uh, Underbelly. I can't think of his name. John Sylvester? Uh, no, mate, no, mate, boy, Andrew un- Rule. Andrew Rule. Andrew Rule. And uh, and uh, and uh, so they asked us to come up with some music to do with robberies. And he was talking about robberies, and it was fantastic. He, you know, he took—I didn't know—I I don't know whether you, whether you know about this, Brian, but uh, the Biggs dude, you know, Rob. We, so we're talking about the grain tra- great train. Yeah, a lot of bigs. And, yeah, yeah. And he had three sons here. Yeah, in Melbourne. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. He, he works. For, he works for Channel Nine. <laughs> he was That's a carpenter. Nine. He was a carpenter at Channel yeah. Nine. Yeah, yeah. But but he had a family here. Charmaine was her name. He, I think. he has a family. He has a family here.
2: Yeah. Yeah he,
3: yeah, he hooked up with a woman called Charmaine, who we that's met here, right. and then had all these kids. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, she's, um, um, she's 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 well, or they have taken a different name so that they don't have to have that name carry around with them. <laughs> but anyway, so so so, the, so I learned uh, a Fat Swallow song called uh, 24 Robbers," and and I'd never heard it before, and it was just it's just fucking awesome, man, to learn that song. So I'm going to have a. Uh, I'm, the 27th of April is my 70th birthday, it's a Saturday, so I'm just going to have uh, all my mates come to the club and I'm going to um, open the bar and, and I'm going to sing all the songs that I've learnt with, uh, with the, the the old dudes at the club and make it a just a completely self-indulgent night and uh, um, and I'm going to do what a friend of mine did a few years ago, an old music dude. Uh, he had a seventieth birthday party, and he uh, he got, he got some uh, um, like this. What was that stuff? Sherbet. And he got he got yeah. some white sherbet, and he <laughs> stuck it on plates and brought it around like it was coke. <laughs> 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 so I'm, I'm going to do that as well. God. I
0: wonder I wonder how, how you go if you snort in some sherbet and be. Buzzing in your nose. It,
3: it would, would definitely be buzzing in your nose. Well, it used 100%. to get up your yeah. nose when you used to have the little yes. packets, the little packets of
2: it. Yeah. it? It used to get up your nose. Oh,
3: It'd give, you, give you some sort of thrill. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to wait till your seventieth to find out
2: what sort of thrill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's have a chat to you about your life and times, sir. Go ahead. Now, what? Let's start now. Um, Yep. You're back in the, you've, you've uh, retired from the bar, you're back in the oh, music yeah. industry uh, and yes. you're working with a whole lot of First Nations artists and things. So where, where, are, where with, are
3: you at? I'm working with a couple of people. I'm working with uh, young Joel Turner who was the beatbox kid on Australian Idol. Uh, you remember Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: he yeah. good.
3: Yeah. He's uh, good. Uh, we, had a, we had a record uh, called These Kids that was a number one single. It was on my label and that turns out to be 17 years ago. Sure. That's pretty bizarre. So he's in his mid-30s now and uh, about 10 years ago or something I gave that was him and his brother and his cousin and um, I gave them back their copyrights and during the lockdown I discovered an old film that a guy called Amiel Corton-Wilson had made for me when Amiel was a young dude. He's a really happening director, a great Artist and I found this film and I realized when I gave them back their record and their uh, and their publishing, I didn't give them back the film. I wanted to put the film out, so I reconnected with them and to get the rights to use their music and the, and the and stuff. And in the process, just re hooked up with with uh, Joel, and Joel's a monster man. He's just just so fucking amazing. He's such a massive massive talent, and he's uh, been. Um, caretaking his younger brother and his caretaking his mother for the last, you know, fifteen years really. But uh um so anyway, he he's he's uh, he just started playing me things. He was sitting there playing his guitar and beatboxing and it's just like, mate, you are just Mind-blowingly good. He's uh-huh. mind-blowingly good. Anyway, so he got a girlfriend. God bless him, and she uh, dragged him out of Brisbane. Priscilla, she's awesome. She dragged him out of Brisbane, uh, took him to her house in Sydney, set him up with a room, feeds him, um, and he's going live on TikTok two hours a night. This is. Do you do TikTok, Brian? No, I don't actually. Um, Mate, you'd be should, but... Perfect for it. No, I'm. Yeah. I'm going to blow your mind right now. I'm going to tell you what what Joel's done. We okay. we put out, we put out a record uh, last year which, uh, called uh called Mullet, which I love. I love the record. It's been it's been very difficult to get anyone to play it or have any interest in it, except for God bless Eddie Maguire, He uh he put it on his uh, his his uh, Sunday morning footy show, which was which was good of him. But it didn't. Didn't really, It didn't really connect and we were trying to get him up on TikTok and it was kind of a pain in the ass for him. He didn't really want to do it. And then in the course of Priscilla bringing him to Sydney and setting him up in a room where he doesn't have to go anywhere, he just has to be in that room and, and he can wake up whenever the bloody hell he wants to and go hard for two, three hours on TikTok. And what happens is she goes live and TikTok has this thing where you tip people. Oh. Yes. It's (laughs) all right. (laughs) It's busking online, mate. Oh, that's damn good. It's busking. You'd be perfect for it. Yeah, You You are a TikTok natural. You will you will, (laughs) I mean, seriously, it it was such a hassle when when it was like a job for him and we were just trying because we were I was thinking he had to do something viral or something, you know, that bullshit. And it just became it just became a nightmare. And we were starting him from zero. You know, he had no social media presence. So we were starting him from zero. And uh and in like six months we got like five thousand people. It was nothing. Now he's starting to do this uh this live thing. And he gets and TikTok pay him money. They they wow. take, they take half the money and they right. pay it into his account in American dollars. Hello, oh, <laughs> that's good. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get into that. Well, that I know what, that is what time it is. Yeah, okay, it's TikTok times. That's that's the that's the model. But you don't have to. You can do it on Twitch as well. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, well, I'll look into that. Oh no, it's 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 a real thing, and and there, and there are guys that like like Joel's got up to like thirty thousand followers now, which is really not many, but it's a lot more than 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 he had. But but there are guys that have got like five hundred thousand. Wow, there's guys that have got like a million, like Australian dudes. And and there's 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 young dudes that are that are selling series to Stan, who that's their world. Their world is that they just do that. They're not singing, they're not telling jokes. They're just doing stupid shit. <laughs> wow, I can do some stupid shit. Ken. I'm sure you can. I'm you almost have a career certain based that on you it. <laughs> I think I think it's almost certain that you can, but it can it's also. But it's but it can also include singing. I mean, it doesn't have to exclude singing. I mean, singing could yeah. be an, an added part of it. But it's just a whole new frontier, man. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I'm gonna get into that. That sounds really good. Well, it's blown my mind. It's blown my mind watching it happen in the last year with Joel and seeing how it's changed his his changed his life because now he's got now now what now what we're doing is we're building him to do uh one night a month in a pub in Sydney. Yeah and TikTok live from the pub. Oh, oh wow. wow, that's a good idea. Right. Yeah. And so and so and 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 the first night was the night of the Matildas which was you know such a bummer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bummer. Yeah. That was a total bummer. And uh, but but he got 42 people paid 20 bucks. That's good. He made 800 bucks. Lovely. Plus what, he, plus what he plus what he made plus what he made from TikTok
0: we well, would you have go. made double that if the Matildas hadn't have
3: been playing. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So it's yeah, a, yeah. It's it's a new business model, and uh, so it's been interesting for me to uh, take a ride on it, and uh, and with the help of uh, you know Marty Court at the Annex, and and now Priscilla, his his you know partner slash manager. You know, it's been great to see that there is a way through, but then there's still the problem of any australian artists getting airplay that's the big problem at the moment yeah it, it doesn't is, exist it doesn't exist no it doesn't exist no. it doesn't even exist for uh, you know major young artists yeah Oh shit yeah, no no it
2: exists it exists for for Barnsley
3: and and all all that No uh, no it doesn't even no it doesn't really doesn't really exist for Barnsley either I mean maybe there's triple m will play his old stuff yeah, but that's what but I I'm mean. saying that, that that yeah but but that's that's sort of classic hit stuff but I'm saying for for new songs for new records for new yeah. for new things it's just super 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 difficult
2: Yeah and there's and there's no shortage of good um, material available. I mean, we've uh, we we talked to bloody um, Kevin Borich the other week, and
3: his yeah, no. his new
2: duets album is freaking brilliant. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't hear it. You wouldn't hear it on a radio station back of Burke probably.
3: No, no, that's that end of it, and of course that's uh, yeah, that's the dilemma that we face. But we so we now make music for. Uh, more than ever for the love of it, particularly if we're Australian. I like to tell a story and I think uh, Brian will uh, appreciate this story. Uh, this, is, this is my favourite story in terms of this moment and Australian artists. When I was uh, 1974, when I was signed to EMI, I was signed for 5%, uh, that's it, but from record yeah. one, 5%, yeah. which is tiny. And but it was from record one because they knew, and I, I mean I don't know whether everyone was like that, but that was my deal with EMI, and uh and that because they knew that it had to be from record one because otherwise you'd never get anything, you know. And so they had this concept. And now from sell, my first album, stiffed, it sold nothing. My second album sold eighty thousand copies. That eighty thousand copies. In 1970, that would have been by 1978 probably. That in 1978, let's say I got that money. That I got thirty thousand dollars for eighty thousand records. That thirty thousand dollars in 1978, I bought my grandparents' house wow. in Prospect, in Prospect, North Adelaide, which right now would be worth about eight hundred thousand. So uh, a record that sold eighty thousand back then was worth a house now. But a record now selling eighty thousand would be worth a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Spot- yeah, <laughs> Sp- Spotify's killed it. Um, yes, you know, Spotify. You get a
0: million hits, you get a thousand dollars. Wow, Rock on.
3: Well, I can tell you exactly what I get. Absolutely, I wrote absolutely everybody, and I've been uh, absolutely everybody was a hit in uh, in Scandinavia in two thousand and one, which is when Spotify started. I get a Exactly as you just said, I get a I get hundred and fifty dollars per million streams. That goes wow. to that goes to my publisher in the UK, they take ten percent. So I get whatever ten percent off 150 is, 155. And if I if I wasn't on the publisher, and I, I'm the songwriter and the publisher, but if I was the publisher, that would mean I'd be getting sixty something dollars, you know. And the songwriter would be getting sixty bucks or something. It's just crazy, man.
0: Wow. Can I ask you about that song "Shine,"
3: yeah. um, which Vanessa
0: Amorosi? I heard a rumor that that was originally called "Die." It was, yeah, it was. was uh, yeah, no, it that's, was.
3: it, it yes. was changed. It was changed. Well, was, what would happen was, was there was a guy called Robert Parday. Do you know him? No, I don't. Uh, Robert Parday is a Melbourne bloke, uh, Melbourne songwriter. He's he's written quite a few things. I think he's uh, he's sort of my age, so he's a bit older than you. And he's, I think he's gone back to he he think he's gone back to Malta or something I think but but anyway he was he was uh here in in Melbourne and I I, I met with him and we wrote two songs that day we wrote uh, he he played the piano and you know I sat down with him and sang out I had I had a loop from Robin uh Robin's first hit that that you know which was Max Max Martin's first hit and i had that uh, had that loop that just that beat and we played to that beat and uh, we created the the track and we had another song that day and i for the life of me cannot fucking find it <laughs> 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 we had two songs in that day and i just cannot could never find the other one it really shits me so uh, we gave that to we gave that that uh, that track and the and the and the songs you know the the chords and a melody to Vanessa and then she came back with uh a, she changed the melody in the verse and and this extraordinary lyric which was just you know really incredible and uh and she had a chorus and the chorus was yeah everyone's going to die and uh, so I actually rewrote the chorus I rewrote a few lines in the chorus but I also yeah I changed it to shine and uh, so it it kind of went back and forth that song between Robert and uh, and Vanessa and me. And uh, when the record was finally came back, and uh, I just you know just it was just so moving. I I would never ever imagined that it was going to be a hit record, but but uh, her story because I knew what the story was. And it just it was just you know, and she was like seventeen when she wrote that. And wow! Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty incredible, man. Yeah. Are you still pretty writing? Incredible. Yes, I still write. Yeah, I still write. I've uh, I've just uh, uh, back to the Savage Club. Uh, I just uh, was at that at that uh, Kipper breakfast, the the the, the robbery breakfast. Um, the the club has a, a poet poet laureate. And uh, his name's Doug, and uh, Doug Farch, and uh, he was asked to write a poem for the for the uh, uh, for, for the for the robbery breakfast, and uh, he he spoke it, and it was called Bush Rangers, and I went, that is a fucking rip roaring bloody lyric, or well, I mean poem, and I asked him if I could write a melody for it, and uh, so I've written a melody for it. And then I went into the Savage on a Monday, and uh, with a few of the Muso chaps, and just uh, we were working on the sound there, and and I played them what I'd done, and I said, you know, is this a steel? Where's this from? Where's this come from? Where where's this melody come from? And, uh, and one of them came back and and said it's a it's a it's a song from the um it's a it's a melody from the Gold Rush, and. Oh. And it just blew my fucking mind, man, because it was a melody that oh, I've written a book called uh, Blood on the Tracks, which is about our family had a circus, the Holden Brothers Travelling Circus, and I fictionalised it, and they travelled through uh, country Victoria in the 1800s. And uh, so they were, and I and I wrote a song uh, which I used this same melody for, and uh, it was uh, that same melody, and it was and I'd stolen something from the fucking bush ranging days <laughs> that my story was set in, and, and so it's just so weird that that because I, you know, I, I certainly didn't know that I'd stolen it, but I did feel that it was. But it's uh, anyway, it's out of copyright, so it doesn't matter. Oh, really? Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Fiona, you steal. Yeah, so, so, if you and, steal. I've, and
3: I've written, and I've written some, and I've written some songs with uh, with Richard. Who's a Gunditjmara man from uh, the southwest, and but he's he's an incredible songwriter, and my, my, most of the songs we do are his songs, but but a couple of them um, in the middle of the night, uh, I was able to contribute to, and um, so I, but i so yeah, no, I like to uh, for one reason or another, the the writing's always been a core part of what's driven me. It's always driven me to. It's driven me to Gunditjmara country. It's driven me to uh, the suburbs of New York. It's d- drove me to Tom's liquor store on the corner of Florence and Normandy uh, in Watts um, to work with um, uh, my my uh, friends who lived in Watts that I was managing at the time in like 1980. Whenever the whenever the uh, Reginald Kenny got his head smashed in with a brick, Uh, 92, the L.A. riots. Um, Mm. Yeah, so it's taken me to some really fantastic places and I was just lucky that I was, because Tom's Diner was where I would, I had a little black briefcase that my brother had given me, you know, that was my, I'm a businessman briefcase and it was before mobile phones and uh, so I would have to call the studio ahead because no one would ever answer the door, and uh, so I'd have to. And there was no one had mobile phones, so I'd have to be calling. It's me, you know. Could someone come and open the door? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be standing there with a lamp over my head in Watts, with a briefcase by my side. <laughs> oh, oh, you no wouldn't I, have stood out at all. You wouldn't. I, have I wouldn't have been stood out me. at no, all. No, no one would have been. stood out at all. And one, and one time I was, uh, one time I was heading back. Out of there, and the helicopter put a light on me. And uh, had, had obviously you know, I stood out as you said and followed me all the way back to the freeway. And then, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> well,
0: um, didn't didn't
3: didn't at one stage when you were uh, uh, like
2: post the temptation stuff when you when you wrote yeah. that song that they recorded, didn't you get sort of uh, on the fringes of the the rap? Uh,
3: sort no, of- no, I found myself uh. Now, that's when I left that world. That's when I went to David Hasselhoff because I went from the sublime to the – no, I'm not going to say that's sublime to the ridiculous, but <laughs> no, because no, he's not ridiculous. He's he's, he's he's an incredible dude. I love him. But but from one extreme to another. Now, the rap world was I, – I couldn't – I mean, you know, my, once you've got in a car with guys that are carrying guns in in open carry in the, in the seat of the car next to you – I got in a. I was at a with uh, Andrew Strong at a at a coffee sh- at a coffee shop on Lancashire, when a car pulled up and blocked the exit, and uh, and there was one gang inside and a gang outside, and I was stuck, and and Andrew was in there getting a burger, and um, and it was, there was guns out. No man, it's not my world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was. Do you you talking about the Andrew soccer. Andrew Strong from the Commitments? From the commitments yeah I, I did i made a record with him that uh didn't didn't work out all that well sadly but um jesus yeah. he had a good voice what a and yeah. what a singer no but he wanted to be um he wanted to be seattle yeah. rock and it wasn't his forte his forte was the the commitments and soul but he desperately he's a, desperately wanted to be you know cool right. and uh we wrote some We made some great record but it was exhausting because, you know, you'd you'd go and wake him up at about four in the afternoon and, um, and then you'd spend the next hour or two looking for the next bag of weed. And then you'd stop off at a burger bar. By that time, it's like 9 o'clock at night and I'm already, it's past my bedtime, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I believe, I remember him coming
2: into Triple M um, post the commitments and he was very high maintenance.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, but once you got him going, though, he was unbelievable. He was, you know, about about 11 o'clock at night, you get an hour out of him. And, uh, and it would be just like full lion, you know, just just full. But unfortunately, we made a record that no one wanted. Now, you mentioned no. David Hasselhoff. We've got to ask yeah. about that relationship. Oh, it was fabulous, man. I loved it so much. We had the best time with David. And, how'd you
0: uh, how you meet him? How did you? I, I was, I was in
3: him? that, I was in the, uh, I was in the black world, and 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 it had changed, and it was going into rap, and the stuff that I liked to do, which was the kind of cool R and B, uh, was drifting into space, and it was getting to be, you know, really violent and gangs, and and I couldn't contribute. I I, I want to be able to write. That's the the core to everything mm-hmm. I do, is I want to be able to write. And uh, and so I, there wasn't any writing for me in the rap world. They weren't interested in, you know, <laughs> a Methodist choir boy from Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so uh, uh, my my uh, lawyer at the time was a guy called Peter Lopez, and uh, Peter Lopez represented all kinds of people, and uh, you know the Eagles, Glenn Fry, and all all kinds of. I mean, he was like a super duper lawyer and great bloke who ended up shooting himself in his front yard but anyway Jesus um yeah but and he was married to Catherine Bach who was uh, in um you know uh, what was that show uh Daisy she was Daisy in 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 yeah that show anyway you're younger than me, come on, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm t- of, John Dukes, Schneider, Dukes
2: that's it. Dukes of Hazard, that's that's it. It. thank <laughs> you. Yeah, all right. I'll go through the cast and you just come up with the names. Ryan. <laughs> no, you can thank Google you. <laughs> while we're doing. It.
3: No, anyway, good. Brian's brain's still working. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Peter represented David, and and uh, I was in there in the office one day, and David was in there, and we just started talking. He was uh he was on a a, a soap uh, and um snapper he was a snapper on days of our lives or one of those and uh, and and i was young dr greg on the young butchers <laughs> and um uh so we just hit it off at that level and you know he he you know he just loves music he's just he's always loved music it's always been a part of his life and uh, so we just really hit it off. So I would I would go down and and find the set wherever it was up and down the coast, and uh, park in his his trailer. And and uh, he would call me up at like five in the morning some days, and I'd have to pretend to be conscious, and because <laughs> <you know, laughs> he would be on you know because he'd be in a gym at when it was still dark and uh so that he could be you know vibing at first light and then bang away all day in doing whatever you know filming and and then i'd get him during the day in his trailer and we'd and i'd we'd throw ideas around and basically i i did his vocals and then we'd send them to europe for uh, guys to do the tracks which is which is what i did with vanessa i did exactly the same thing i did the vocals. And sent the vocals to Europe to uh, for to guys to do the tracks, and uh, so so David was just so I loved it, you know. And that's where I, that's where I learned about you know the, the technology and and you know that was the early days of Pro Tools editing and and uh, and there was a lot of editing that was done in you know because he would come in at you know eight o'clock at night having been in the water all day, you know, and having been up since four. And uh, so you know it was uh, it was but but it was great. And then we went on the road with him, and, and we went to Europe and went on the road. And then I and I advanced his records. And, and I, my wife and I had a baby at the time, and he had young girls. And and um, and it was just a really happy time. And and his 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 he would in, you know he would invite the wife to come with to go to uh, to go to Europe. And uh, and so we would fly to, to Europe for his tour, and, and you know, with him, oh, it was just made. It was just such such a lot of fun. And, uh, and those were the days when he was still drinking. And uh, you know, we would be in a bar in, in Hamburg with John Bon Jovi at four in the morning and, and doing Weiss beer and schnapps, you know, and then <laughs> seven or eight o'clock in the morning you know, my head would just, you know, my wife would have to pull my boots off because I wouldn't know how to even get my boots off and <laughs> I was so staggeringly drunk. And at 7 o'clock in the morning he'd be bright as a button and, uh, okay, come on, man, we've got to come in and sing the songs to the label, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, my brain is like, you know, axe, being ax murdered or something. And uh, but he'd be bright as a button, and we'd go. And it was just he's uh, he's a great bloke, man. He's he's a, just a terrific, terrific guy.
2: You had uh, you had enormous success too. I mean, it was it was massive across Europe, wasn't he? In Germany, it was. And stuff. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, it was it was a really good time. And then we did uh, the kid Hobie from the, Jeremy Jackson as well, and uh, and then uh, uh, David pulled the pin when when Jeremy uh, was getting too outrageous with the uh, the people who worked at the label in Europe. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately.
0: Uh, um, back to the early days, would it yeah. be fair to say that, that Ernie Sigley had a fair bit to do with getting... Ernie was my party. man.
3: Yeah, I loved yeah. Ernie. I, I yeah. loved him to the day he died. I loved him to the day he died. He was one of the great blokes, really. He really was. Yeah, no, I, I lined up at uh, to, at Channel Nine in uh, Tenth Street, North Adelaide, in Wellington Square, and uh, auditioned for him in 1972, when I was 18. And uh, you know, he he auditioned everybody personally, and uh, he took me on his show in Adelaide tonight, and I did. Um, uh I did a classic old one, um, I can't remember what it was, and one of my own songs. and I'll walk with God, I think it was. I'll walk with yep. God and uh, and and one of my own songs. and he started using me on Adelaide tonight and then he got the gig in Melbourne and uh, and and he had a Tuesday or something on channel nine. and uh, they so he had Adelaide and Melbourne at that time, which was then we didn't even have national at that time. And you are too young, probably, to remember this, Brian. But there was a there was a show in Ballarat. Ballarat. Ballarat had its own tonight show, man. Come on. Oh God! That's how Go nutty. It, that's how nutty it was in those days. And and uh, so so Ernie got to the big uh, you know Adelaide and Melbourne. So he was huge, and he brought me to Melbourne, and. Uh, and I remember staying at that uh, that pub opposite where the Women's Hospital is now. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's I can't remember uh, what it's
0: called. Old Melbourne Motor Inn, is it? Yeah, that's the Old
3: it. Melbourne Motor Inn, that's right. And yeah. I felt like a king, man. I was like 18, <laughs> 19, and I I was flying to Melbourne. And I was staying at the Old Melbourne Motor Inn, man. Right. Come on. Come on. It doesn't get any better, better than that, man. It gets <laughs> no better than that. It gets no <laughs> better than that. And not only that, not only that, but Ernie would... Like afterwards, Ernie would you know you go back to his house house in South Melbourne have a drink. Oh yeah, great. I mean, no, no one else did that. Don Lane never did that, and uh, Don Lane did, didn't. I mean, I got to know Don later on, but uh, but uh, but back in the day when he was on the telly, he, he didn't. You didn't. I didn't at least didn't get that experience with him. But Ernie was like that, you know. And uh, I, the last time I saw Ernie was. Uh, it uh, at the Rest Point Casino in Hobart, and I was down there for uh, to to do something for uh, a cancer thing I'm involved with, and we were saying thank you to some people in the bar, and uh, and I walk out and there's Glennis with Ernie and and, uh, and I say, "Hey, mate, and it's always good to see Glennis and Ernie," and they they used to go a lot to the Crows events because uh, Glennis is a Crow supporter, mm. and uh, I would see them there as well. And, and you know, I said, oh, I'm doing a little thing at 7 o'clock in the bar just to say thank you to some people. Why don't you come along? And uh, anyway, 7 o'clock came and he, and he did. And I said, oh, come on, O'Neal, I had a piano player with me. I said, come up and sing with me. And he uh, got up and I said, what do, you, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, b pop, B-flat and okay cool and we started to play and he didn't know the words he couldn't remember the melody he was completely gone and it was and and god bless glennis glennis was glennis knew that that was going to happen and she was all on she was right on top of it and and got him out of there in a graceful beautiful way and the last thing he said to me because we had a glass of bubbles together and uh, and Glennis is dragging him off back to the room, you know, <laughs> and he said, "I oh, just let me have one more drink with Mark. That's the my last the last thing he said, and he do he remembered who I was, but uh yeah, though he went down that uh that horrible path that my mother did as well, which is dementia, which uh, you know, I'm kind of ten years into already you. Know?
2: Uh, the to, 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 to tough, I obviously knew Ernie Walk from the Footscray connection.
3: Um, what did, a, what did, a- yeah, because he was a mad Footscray. Fan. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We, we emceed events and all that stuff together.
3: What, um, what did Colin
2: Peterson have?
3: We had Colin on, uh, recently. Uh, what do you have to do? I, I owe Colin my career, really. Colin, did he find the Eric Carmen song? He did, no, because I, I'd had my first album was a stiff, and, um, uh, it wasn't uh it wasn't very good um <laughs> and, and it was a it was completely original but it was very embryonic and and uh it just didn't work and and I was I was going to be dropped and uh they'd put a bit quite a bit of money into me into 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 that first record and they'd done a national I mean things that they just people just don't get anymore like they did a national we, we went to every city and did a little gig with Kerry Bedell and Ross Ryan. And Ross Ryan was a big star at the time. So he was the one that was drawing the people in. He had Pegasus. And um, and and uh, the, Colin called me out of the blue and said, I've got this song and uh, you want to hear it. And he played it to me and it was an incredible song. And... Uh, I mean, I you know, I didn't know anything about uh, Eric Carmen, but but uh, you know, it was a very traditional thing in those days. As it turns out, for A uh, and R guys to get songs that are hits in England or America, and apply them to Australian artists, that was a kind of a formula mm. that they applied. And uh, I got the benefit of that that formula because it was, it's a kick-ass song. There's a there's a lovely story I do love to tell about that too. Is that is that never going to fall in love again? At that time, the songwriting cre- credits were Eric Carmen. That's it. And uh, the same with all by myself, which was his other big hit at that time, but on him. Well, twenty years later, uh, what's her name? The the uh, the the uh, French Celine Dion. Had a oh. had a massive hit with All by Myself again, and and it sold like twenty million records at that time. And at that time, the label Coffee said Eric Carmen, Serge Rachmaninoff, he'd ripped off Rachmaninoff, thinking Rachmaninoff was an 18th century composer, and Rachmaninoff had died in 1940 or something or 30, and was still in copyright. So Rachmaninoff's Bloody grandchildren or great grandchildren oh. got twenty million million Celine Dion when when records still meant something. Whoa, yeah, Whoa. yeah. I mean that's that's the that's the fuck up with copyright that that you know that the people who are alive don't necessarily get as much as in the end that going for seventy years after you're dead. What use is that going to be to us, Brian? Not much, not much use at all. <laughs> not much use at all. <laughs>
0: uh, so, when do you start appearing on Countdown?
3: Um, "We're Never Gonna Fall in Love Again" was a hit. Uh, they, they, they shot a. Vi- they shot the video. Paul Drain shot that video that "Never Gonna Fall in Love Again," which is a really good video. He did it up, and that was so. That was my first interaction with him. But I didn't get on the show for "Never Gonna Fall in Love Again." uh but uh, when i wanna make him a lady came out i was I, I i came on I came on with i wanna make him a lady they had me on and then i was a regular and where did the carnations to the girls come from well i was coming into town and um i, I was dry, i was flying in and you know down to well, where nearly near where i live now down in elstonwick and uh i was thinking which well, is what i going to do it was my first countdown uh what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ah, oh, you know, you're going to see a girl. You bring flowers. Okay, what flowers should I bring? Well, you know, at Colour TV, we didn't, you know, it was black and white and then it was suddenly colour. So red, yep, red, roses, red roses, red roses, thorns, a prick. You don't want to prick the little virgins. Uh, <laughs> let's long stem red carnation. It worked. Phallic <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in so what i did was i handed them out to the girls at the during the camera run through to kind of suck up to them and uh and then during the course of the show they started to hand them you know it just became a thing i it's uh you know it, it was a great deal of fun my the best use of them was uh, I did a gig uh, at Marrabin at the at the at the footy ground uh with Skyhooks was the was the main act, and I was one of the lead up acts, and I came in in a helicopter, oh. and, and and I literally hung out of the helicopter with no, there was no ohhs nothing, I'm just hanging out of the helicopter like, oh. with nothing with car with a like. Three or four dozen long stem red carnations, and I'm throwing them out over the cloud, crowd, but the wind's blowing them into the backyards of the houses. <laughs> 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 and then I flew, I landed just outside the Oval, and I had a Rolls Royce drive me to the front of the stage as the band started playing. Oh, wow! It was gold, man. It was gold. How cool yeah. is that! <laughs> <laughs> Big days. Do yeah. you
2: um do you get any uh, uh, postcards, Christmas cards from Elton John?
3: <laughs> no, no. You you know that story. Uh, oh, I'd love you to tell does it. Brian, does Brian know that story? No, don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. You don't know, know the story. No. no. This is this is a good. This is a this is a true story that you know where your life got to a crossroads and you went left instead of right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was being managed by Peter Ricks, who at that at that time was and still is Marsha Hines' manager. And I, I've just got to give them both credit for that long relationship. It's amazing. Uh, but I was uh, a kind of a prick and, uh, you know, a year was kind of as much as anyone could handle of me. And I always thought I was smarter than them all. But with Rixie, I wasn't. So anyway, I, I went up to, uh, I got a call to go to the Siebel townhouse To meet um, the to meet Elton's manager. Wow, John Reed. John John, Reed. And and anyway, there's a weird part of that because years later, John Reed ended up being on uh, X Factor with me. For Uh. I did did a. But anyway, right right back then, so I go to Seaboard Townhouse and Richie's gone, mate. Come on, this is. Very suspect, you know. <laughs> they want the pretty boy to come up to the Siebel townhouse. Anyway, I thought, bugger, it, I'm gonna go up there. Uh and he was lovely. He was actually, you know, it was he, he he just wanted to meet me. He'd seen me on telly and uh and 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 he said, you know, Elton's got a got a label called Rocket Records. Uh would you, you know, would you come and uh, you know, would you be interested in um being signed? And I went, bloody hell. It sounds that's fantastic, man. So I convinced Rixie and in those days, uh, you may or may not remember, but London was still a long way away, but in those days it was a long way away and the big trip to London was psychologically massive. It's not anymore, but it's still you're still buggered when you get there. And um, so anyway, we arrive in London and a, and a Rolls-Royce picks us up and, and takes us to Knightsbridge. And we get to Knightsbridge, and it's Elton's place. He had a place in Knightsbridge, and it was like a four-story, really incredible place. And you know, we've been on a plane for 24 hours, and now it's probably 30 hours or something or other. And uh, we get to, uh, we get up there, and uh, and they say, oh, look, we've got a, uh, we, Elton's doing. You know, you're gonna, they want me to meet Elton, and uh, he's going to do a gig with uh, uh, the Eagles at at Wembley do you want to come to the gig so I haven't met him yet and so we go yeah yeah let's go so we go to Wembley and we see Elton sit in with the Eagles it was Hotel Hotel California it was extraordinary I mean it was incredible and and we get back to his place for the after party and now it's like you know 30 something 40 coming up 40 hours and you know I've had a few drinks and cocktails already and and we're sitting around a piano and everyone's sitting around the piano and and so I said, what would you think? And everyone's talking about how fantastic it was and it comes to me and I said, yeah, I thought the band was pretty good. Don't, don't know much about the piano player, though. Eh? Oh, how'd <laughs> that go down? <laughs> they never called me again. Oh, wow. Uh, hadn't had- even, it hadn't even been 12 hours in London <laughs> and, and it was over. We couldn't get them on the phone. Never, they never saw us. <laughs> <Zvoras>. Nothing.
0: <laughs> I think Tina Turner fell out with him for similar reasons. They were doing some song together, and she told him that he was playing the riff wrong, <laughs> and he just stormed off. He was not happy with that, and I don't think he spoke to her for years <laughs> afterwards. But um, <laughs> but it was
3: definitely. I mean, I just thought I was being funny, you know.
0: Yeah, it's just it's, it's Australian sort of it thing is. to say, isn't it? Yeah. It is.
3: <laughs> <laughs> It oh, well, could, have, could have changed my life because you know, I mean, he, he could have uh, he he could have written me some hits and you know all that sort yeah. of. Thing. Uh, so it was, uh, and then that that was the intention of it, but uh, but you know, I was too stupid. No, well, you were just being yourself, dude. I don't think you've oh, been. That's, yeah. that's true. That's true. Anyway,
2: hey, I want to ask: is is um, and and you know, you have got musical highlights to come in your life, but is the Temptations moment? Is is that the is that? the pinnacle for you is
3: that is it is that- for me it is for me but but up there is absolutely everybody with Vanessa and yeah. and but uh, but uh, the temptations was special because it had a kind of uh well it had a life changing effect because i hadn't had a i'd had hits as as the carnation kid but i hadn't written any of those songs and uh so when I got to America and I I was signed to a label uh, uh, called the Scotty Brothers and and it stiffed and we put out a couple of songs and none of them worked and uh uh I, I they, they worked I mean it's not their fault that uh, they they backed my songwriting at that point and and the songs weren't good enough and uh so so then I was out on my own and didn't have a label i'd gotten out of emi to do the atlantic thing that hadn't worked so i was on my ass in la and the choice was to come home with metal between my legs having failed or stay there and do what and i wanted to be a songwriter and that's all i'd ever wanted to be so i meditated for a year i read every I read every Carl Young book. I ended up uh, analyzing myself, and in the end of that process, this whole chorus came into my head, which is the chorus of Lady Soul. And uh, and I just bought a TAC at that time, and a TAC eight track, track, and I figured out how to work it, and I put the track down myself and did all the vocals myself. And at exactly at that time, uh, you know, my uh, you know, I I I'd, I'd got to know Rodney Gordy uh Berry's son, he he represented these guys that were out in 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 uh at mot- at uh, in Watts that I was working with and uh they got it to to Barry Gordy and Barry Gordy heard the song and uh gave it to Smokey and Smokey was the A&R person at that time and he uh, gave it to the Temptations and and they recorded it, and, and uh, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing. I was there when they were singing. I got to I got to work on the backgrounds with them. Um, I was there when Ali Ollie Woodson, the singer, came in from freebasing and did two passes at my song, and did the most blisteringly painful. Vocal I've ever heard in my life in just two takes from beginning to end, and that's the record. And um, so, just being there for that moment, I can't, I just it was just. And then, I then I played it to my dad who had terminal cancer, and we met in Hawaii, and uh, he just had his balls cut off and uh, uh, that's what they did for for prostate cancer in those days yeah. and i got to play him that i got to play him the temps you know and i got to play him that vocal and that so you know it's a that's a that's that was a life changer because i f- believed in the miracle that is music you know the and the gift that we have those of us who are lucky enough to be in it
0: Yeah, so when did you get into producing for others and stuff like that? How did that come about?
3: It came about because I knew I wasn't a good enough singer. I'd had enough shots as a a singer. You know, in in, in Australia I, I was a success because of Countdown, which was a visual medium. And uh, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a John Paul Young. John Paul Young just had a voice, like Vanessa, Vanessa, John Paul Young, Glenn Shorrock, those kind of people, they take a good song and make it great, you know, and and, and I take a, a great song and make it good. (laughs) (laughs) that's the difference that's the actual truth of the difference and and whereas like i I was able to overcome it in australia because of television you know america is just a radio market you've got to have that radio voice and vanessa has it you know glenn shorick has it john farnham didn't have it yeah they they didn't like him in they LRB, didn't, they didn't did they? like his voice they didn't like his voice in 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 that environment it's a it's yeah. a it's a you know John Paul young has that voice it's a there's a bluesy thing mm. that you have to have and Vanessa's got it she's yeah. got the soul and the blues and you know so I, I didn't have it so I you know wanted to get I just wanted to keep writing and, it, and I knew it couldn't be for me. And and in fact, even through the 80s and 90s, I still recorded too many of my own demos. But uh, you know, <laughs> I kept thinking I could maybe do it. But no, it, uh, it didn't. It was no, I needed. It. So I started to yeah, started. I was producing demos. You know, really, it was yeah. producing demos. And I mean, this is this is a story. Another story I like to tell as an example of of how fucked it is for Australian musicians. Australian musicians have been absolutely rooted for 50 years in in so many ways. Uh, In 1983 or something around that that time, I I wrote a song which I demoed and I was the singer of. Uh, Because I was a member of a union, AFTRA, you know, the film and television union in America, because I was a member of AFTRA, when it was used in uh, the the song, the film Splash. So, uh, oh. so when they used my demo, because I was a union member, I get paid twice a year from Disney since 1984. Oh, how good's that? Yeah, but 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 Australians don't have that. Australian musicians don't have that. Musicians, yeah, we don't. Performers don't have that, and it's a it's been a failure of. It's been a failure of the unions here. Mm. Wow! And yeah. it's 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 ironic that it's ironic that that uh, America of all places, being a member of the union, is super valuable.
0: Yeah. You well, get in,
3: residuals.
0: Well, In Australia, you'd only see the musicians' union just before you're about to go on countdown, and they'd say you got to join up otherwise you can't go on. And I used to hate them, so I ended up joining Actors Equity, so I didn't have to pay them because I just thought they were useless. Yes, um,
3: but that, but therein lies the problem: the Actors Equity situation, which is now MEA, They've only been doing musicians for the last couple of years, so they're they're fifty yeah. years behind the eight ball. They're fifty yeah. years behind the eight ball. But but in in the UK and and Europe and and North America, musicians get residuals when they're when they're when their records are played on television and and radio they get residuals and in australia they don't so it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a terrible thing
2: yeah that's that's shocking hey mate we know we've taken up an enormous amount of your time i just want to know one one last thing how did you keep the dr greg mason kitty sullivan um uh, <laughs> um you know hot bit of romance a, a secret for so many years
3: <laughs> Oh, dear god bless kitty uh if you have you watched any of those channel 9 things brian do you know it who is. Keith Sullivan is? Do you know who Keith
0: Sullivan oh, yeah, is? Yeah, I, I had a punk rock version of the Sullivan's. That was one of my big live tricks. We'd um, play the riff to the Sullivan and then we'd play it like Radio Birdman. Oh and, great. Uh, yeah, it was really good. It was a really people loved it. Um, so
3: I was a really Have you got a copy player. of that? I do somewhere, yeah. I'll oh, put that um, on this put that put that on this podcast.
0: Uh, but I was I was a huge fan of the Sullivan. So I'm a bit of a World War Two head. but That show was yeah, I'm a World War Two head. Well, when it first came out, especially the first, I probably went a season or two too long, but um, that the accuracy in that show was just really, really great. And yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked it. So I didn't know that you had a bit of a thing with Susan Hannaford, though.
3: Yes, yeah, no, that was that was a wonderful time of uh, of my life. I, I was. Uh, most certainly enjoying life to the full as yeah. a as a, <laughs> as a as a as a young man but no she's certainly gone into deep space if you've watched those things oh, like yeah. there the with the grandchildren with the blonde hair and and the and the and the mother that's that's theoretically still alive at 150 and and you know, it's like really bizarre. It's really 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 bizarre. Oh, you it's think? Funny it's funny how people's lives can go left. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, isn't it? Isn't it just? Hey, Mark, thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate catching up. We'll we'll do it again sometime. Tell well, some, I look, some I look tell some life that, Garrett stories.
3: I, I, at some point, I look forward to uh, uh, hearing uh, having a better conversation with Brian in the sense of getting to ask Brian about himself because I, I'm I'm interested to know what his what his journey is. Oh, well, we'll have to have a beer sometime. Let's have, have a beer, or or, That's it? or 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 skin one up. <laughs> Even better, <laughs> or <laughs> both. <laughs> yeah, or both. That would be my <laughs> preference. i <right>, well, we'll <laughs> oh, oh, no, just I'll just finish off. I'll just finish off with this, Brian. Yeah. Uh, I never thought I'd live long enough for this, but but I now get my weed from a, a, a as a prescription. It's a prescription yep. and, and there's a compounding pharmacist who texts me when they are, think I'm about out and I go, yes, you're right, and I press yes. They send the bill to me in the phone. I pay it on my phone. Then I get Uber package to go and bring it to me and they bring it to me within an hour, it's here, and then I put it on my Medibank private and get $400 back from my Medibank extras. Come on, man. Wow, wow. that's cool. How cool is that?
0: <laughs> Drug dealing has come a long way. Hasn't yeah. it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh,
2: you're doing a perfectly good drug dealer out of a living there, Holden. Now just cut that I out. Know,
3: <laughs> I know. I feel actually, I feel bad for that. But on the other hand, it's lovely to have a regulated legal alternative here in Australia. Finally, the government's finally worked out how to tax it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly
0: correct.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, they're going, Hang on, we're missing out on a lot of money here. These drug dealers are getting all cash, they're not paying anything. We're going to have to legalise it so we can get a cut.
3: No, I think the truth of the matter was it was a Liberal government that did it, strangely, and now I think what happened is that, God bless her, leaving Newton-John, I think she got into the health minister's ear and convinced him that that it was an important thing to do. So that's another thing for which we can thank ONJ. God bless her. See you, lads. <laughs> right, see, see you, Mark. Mark. Thanks, mate.
2: <laughs> The wonderful Mark Holden, we must have him on again because he's, he's got more stories I can just tell and he's itching to to roll one up and tell us more with you. Well,
0: if you've got to roll one up, I'm happy to have him back on. That's,
2: uh, terrific. Now, we're going to meet a bloke uh, now that uh, I hadn't heard of until by way of some of the interviews that we chase around the place all over the world. Um, uh, the bloke I was talking to about another interview that we've got coming up uh, said, look, have a listen to this. Um, it, it's a bloke called Jesse James Dupree He's been around for a while But you might not know about him So, But this song's really good It's a song he's, he's written with Brian Johnson So I had a listen to it I sent it to you, Brian And you had to listen to it yes. and went Jesus, that rocks That rocks yep. we, we
0: like the songs that rock Yep, it and, did uh, This one rocks It rocks
2: uh so I thought okay we'll have a quick chat to him and uh and uh, play the song cuz it's it's well worth it. So uh early early, early one morning uh cuz of the bloody time difference uh I got out of oh, bed and uh on the other end of the phone was uh, on the other end of the the zoom was uh, Jesse James Dupree. So let's and have a while, listen to and that.
0: While you while you were doing that I was sleeping.
2: Yeah, so sure. taking you, care. you're getting your beauty sleep Mr Mr Rockstar. Oh, I need it. Here's Jesse. All right. Hey, uh, let's talk about uh, this, this new album of yours, and in particular this great new song that uh, we've been listening to called Never Gets Old. So when did, so? I mean, you co-wrote this with Brian Johnson. Uh, when did that, that, that started, uh, the collaboration between you two in terms of working together started, but you were a fan before all that.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, who's not, right? I yeah. mean, there's, uh, if you've got a pulse, you're an ACDC fan. Yeah, the, the relationship with Brian and I started back in, late 90s uh you know we've we've written together before and uh and we've actually you know we we actually do it did a duo on the song locked and loaded i don't know if you've heard that or not yeah but uh but we've done that song so but it had been a while since we'd worked together other you know we kept kept in touch because you know he's, he's a he's a dear friend and uh just a great guy and um everything you would expect the lead singer of ACDC to be, you know, just a just a real guy. And, and
2: um how did you first how did you first meet him? How did that sort of happen?
4: Uh we met his uh there, there was a benefit down in uh Florida for an old there's there used to be a circus, real famous circus called Ringling Brothers in Barnum and Bailey Circus. And uh and their headquarters was in Sarasota, Florida back, you know, hundred years ago, right? and they built a large portion of that city and the city, some of the buildings look like a circus type buildings, you know, uh-huh. beautiful, beautiful theaters and stuff, you know? And, uh, cause they, they anchored out of that, that part of the, of the state. And, uh, but there was an old theater that was being renovated and I was invited to go down and sing at a benefit for that. And, uh, Brian Johnson was there and cliff. Uh, Williams was there and, um, and, uh, duck Donald duck gun from the blues brothers. Uh, he was there and which I was God, you know, you don't even know how excited I was to meet uh, him.
2: You know, big,
4: big big, big moment, just a lot of, a lot of cool players. And we all jammed and, and Brian and I became fast friends and he had invited me to come back down and stay at his house and write some songs. And, and, um, And I thought, man, that's just, uh, what a great guy. And, but I didn't ever call him up and say, Hey, I'm coming down to your, (laughs) I just kind of let, I just let it go. And then, uh, and then I got a nice, uh, uh, thank you card from him for, you know, for coming down and participating and, and, and he said in the, you know, the card, Hey, I haven't heard from you. Here's my number, you know, seriously, give me a call. Let's get together and, and, and maybe write some songs and, so I, I thought at that second point I'd go. Well, I'll call him and see what's up. And he invited me to come down, and that, that resulted in us writing and, and recording "Locked and Loaded." Yeah. And initially, initially we just wrote it, and then we were in, the Jackal was in the studio recording uh, the second album or the third album, our third album. And I called Brian and and I said, "Hey, we're going to record that song tomorrow that we wrote," and then he just surprisingly said, "I'll be up there tomorrow." So he flew in and and uh, and he was in the studio and uh, I, I got I, I'll tell you the truth, he was kind of pacing around anxiously while I was trying to figure out where I was going to breathe because the song was kind of wordy, you know. What you gonna do when the sun don't rise and the moon don't stop all right on time? What you gonna do? He was just real wordy. And I am trying to figure out where I was going to breathe, and he was kind of pacing. And I thought, man, I must be sucking because. Uh, <laughs> And then he says to the engineer, "He says, uh, give me a microphone." And then I thought, "Well, I guess I am sucking." He's he's going to show me how to do it, you know. And it what that wasn't it at all. He uh he was just, I think it was just killing him that he wasn't singing on it too. <laughs> and he reached over and he grabbed. The, he goes, "You sing this line, I'll sing that line. You sing this line, I'll sing that line." I was, oh okay. And uh, and the next thing you know, we had the song laid down, and and uh, it was just a just a. A great experience, and uh, and then that song came. But but uh, this stuff, the, the the new album that I've got called "Breathing Fire." That I was, I had not planned on recording a record. Uh, I I was actually just sitting around, and I felt guilty because it had been a long time that I realized since I had listened to a full album from front to back, and uh, because I used to do that when I was younger, and and music, you know, meant so much to me as a, as a teenager and stuff. And so when I was thinking about it, I you know so I pulled out a uh, high voltage and I listened to ACDC's high voltage from front to back. And I actually listened to it twice. And then I listened to highway to hell and then back in black. And uh. then I went to, then I went to dinner and I didn't think nothing about it. And, but the next day I woke up and I had a song in my head and I went back through those records trying to figure out which album it was off of. And then I realized I was just inspired and, uh, and so I was sitting on my couch with a guitar and I was figuring out what I was hearing in my head and the door opened up and it was my son. My son's a phenomenal drummer, but Nigel, he, lives yeah. up, he lives in Nigel. Yeah. And he lives up in um, uh, Nashville, which is about three hours from Atlanta. And, um, and he came walking in the door, like, just like right like it could not have been scripted any better. And I said, what are you doing here? And he goes, I came home to get a free meal <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, because he, he's a starving musician, but we feed him. <laughs> and uh, so I said, go lace up the drums and work for your supper. And uh, then I called Roman, and he came over, Roman Glick. And, uh, and we just had a bla- just had a great time. And we just laid down all these ideas. And and um, But I still had not made plans to re- record a record. I got to listening to it, and it sounded so much like ACDC. I mean, I'll be honest with you. the, the Some of the stuff sounded so much like ACDC. I was like, I don't think I could ever do anything with it because it's so much like ACDC. Mm-hmm. And uh, about three days later, the phone rang and I had not spoken to Brian Johnson in about six months. Uh, Cause he had a book come out and they were about to rehearse for the ACDC tour and st- or, the- or the show in California. And so um, I had not heard from, him, but the, out of the blue, like, again, like it's scripted meant to be the phone. Rang, hey, Jesse, how you doing me, son? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I said uh, I wasn't going to call you, but since you called me, you got to help me write these songs. And and so that and next thing you know, I'm putting out an album, and a third of the album is working with Brian.
2: That's a That uh, it's one of those things where, as you say, the planets all just kind of lined up, and uh, even if you'd wanted to stop them, it's almost like you couldn't.
4: Things happen, and, and it just feels right. I mean, you're, you're it's kind of foolish not to just embrace it. I mean, it's it, it's been something that that I've enjoyed every step of the way because equally as cool as it is to work with Brian Johnson. And, and I mean, and nobody in ACDC ever really works outside their band, you know, so it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal that, that, um, that I get to work with Brian, you know, and that he trusts me. And, uh, yeah. but, uh, but then to play with my son and not, and Roman, my best friend. So it, it, I mean, it, it, it all, it all lined, And it, I think it, I think when you listen to the album, you can tell that.
2: And you've constructed it as an album, That's, which is a, a really a kind of uh, out there concept uh, for uh, modern uh, modern music listeners because, as you quite rightly point out, we grew up listening to an album from track one, flip it over and listen to the, the whole album, eight, nine, ten tracks or whatever it was. That's not something that, that happens these days. Everyone just does a song here and a song there and then they throw them together and put them on an album. So you've actually thought this one out as an album.
4: I figured you might be too young to remember that
2: era. But, uh, <laughs> no, absolutely but, uh, not.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it is something that, I mean, from front to back, I think you can just let the album play. It's not one of those albums that I think you'll be skipping songs.
2: Never Gets Old is, uh, is just, as you mentioned, I mean, you, you pay homage to ACDC, uh, you have uh, in this chat, and you, and you do on that song, and it, it's got so much of uh, ACDC about it, but the good part of ACDC.
4: <laughs> I don't think there's a bad point.
2: Well, no, yeah. I wasn't going I mean, that was probably the, uh, badly worded on my behalf, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It's got that, it's got, it cranks like an ACDC song. It it gets you like an ACDC song gets you. And, uh, and it, it it tells you what you want to hear. It's, it's it's just a great little, great little rock and roll song. Well,
4: it's got, it's got Brian's fingerprints all over it, yep. you know. And, uh, and, and I'm proud of that. And I'm proud that he can, you know, enjoy it too. I mean, you know, he, he, he genuinely just like a damn teenager himself still gets as excited about the creative process. And, and when you look at someone that's had the, the career and the, uh, the magnitude of a career that he's had and to see that he still gets just as excited, you know, and, uh, as if it was the first song he ever wrote,
2: you know, yeah. and, uh, uh, that's It's pretty, pretty cool. How important is music to you these days? Given uh, you know the 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 empire that you've built with the with the bourbon and uh, and the television uh, shows and all that stuff, how how important is music uh, in your life these days?
4: Well, these days, music is more important uh, from the standpoint of I'm doing it. Because I love it. I mean, um, I mean, I, I go out and play, or I, I go in the studio and, and record something. It's because I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm not having to bank on whether or not it's going to make my house payment or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's. I mean, music is now. It's it's important just for the music. It's not like I'm. You know, I've been blessed in in the music business, and I've been blessed with other business ventures that I have. You know, uh, working with a Harley Davidson Motor Company and. And Eagle Rider, uh, and and just the various companies that we that my office we work with, and, and different partnerships that we have, uh, the bourbon, the Jesse James bourbon, which is doing really great. So, uh, and of course, we have the Full Throttle Saloon up in Sturgis that Michael and I have, six hundred acres up there with the Full Throttle Saloon in the Pappy Hoyle Campground. Michael Ballard and I, we constantly say we got to get down to Australia. I mean, we, uh, we, it's probably been one of the biggest misses that we've because like, we should we should bring the Full Throttle Saloon to, to uh, uh, Australia for like, even if it's for just a weekend or something.
2: Yeah. Oh, there's, there'd be an appetite for it here. I have no doubt of it. That, that's the other thing too. But in, Musically, there's an appetite for this kind of music uh, still never gets old. It's certainly a song that I'm sure people are going to love.
4: You know, the re- response thus so far has been humbling and great. And, and, uh, and matter of fact, I just hung up the phone with some radio promotion guys in town because it's, it's, uh, it's on the media based rock, the active rock radio charts over here doing really good and um the youtube videos you know we put some i went through my scrapbook of all these old photographs of me with people that i i I think the world of you know that i was uh, you know privileged to meet like billy bob thornton and smoking joe frazier and sammy hagar and dmc from run dmc and and ted nugent and brad whitford and just all these people in my scrapbook of photographs and we ran it through this ai this little AI platform and it made their mouse move. Uh-huh. So, so if you go on YouTube and look look up Jesse James Dupree Never Gets Old and you'll see the scrapbook of mine coming to life with everybody singing the song. So it just, we, we've been having fun with it.
2: Yeah. I hope we get you to Australia at some stage. That'd be nice. But uh, best of luck with uh, Never Gets Old. I, I do Not that you need it. I think it's just a great song. It chugs along well, and it, uh, it's good stuff. Lovely to catch up with you, Jesse. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with Breathing Fire. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. See ya. All right. So there's Jesse. You've got to play Never Too Old in, de- in just a tick. Uh, that is uh, this edition of Life of Brian, dot, 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 Mannix, that is. Uh, you're gigging in oh, December. It- You've got lots coming up.
0: Yeah, but December's busy. Um, I'm pretty light on for the next week or so, but that's okay. And I tell you what, that was a great interview with uh, Jesse James, and he um, didn't ask me about his bill, though. Because-
2: I wish I had to, Bill, but anyway, okay. <laughs> oh, How bad was that? Oh. Oh. So uh, we're going to play the song now. Uh, don't forget Murcotts, All the gift certificates are 15% off. Uh, they've got uh, lots of other, uh, you know, uh, great offers on. So jump on the website, mercotts.edu.au and uh, and check it out or give them a call. On 1300
0: 555
2: Thank you, Brian. How was that, eh? It's been been lovely, as always, and we'll talk again soon. We've got some great guests coming up. We've got uh, just, you know, the best people, Deborah Conway, Dave Warner from the suburbs. We've got great guests coming up. You're going to love some of the people we're going to be talking to, dragging them from all sorts of uh, genres around the world, but we'll get them on this program. So we're going to finish with that song uh, that we promised earlier. Never Gets Old by Jesse James Dupree. Enjoy it.
0: Get ready to rock everybody. Here it comes. Woo!
1: sticky sweet. <laughs> and you're going get so many love singing rock and roll. So tune it up, snap it all, plug it in, or we'll crank it up. Or get crazy, get wasted, you can taste it, it's so hot.